praise God. I want you to know, in case you haven't realized it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bring the revelation to you. What a privilege and an honor it is for us to have Pastor Caldwell with us. These are impartations that are strengthening our church body and, and strengthening our personal lives. And to have the wisdom of our Father minister to us regularly, I mean, it just every once in a while is a blessing, but to have him commit to come and to regularly pour into our church family I encourage you, make it priority on those Sunday nights. You may not be able to come every Sunday night. It's good for you because you'll grow by feeding on the Word of God. But especially on the Sunday nights when Pastor Caldwell is here, please come and partake of this uh, impartation and the wisdom and the strength that it's providing for our lives. Amen? And so um, that's your that's that's from Mama Steele, Pastor Mama. So today, as we prepare to honor the Lord in our tithe and in our offerings, I want to look at Deuteronomy 14 and remind ourselves of some of the great benefits that come from tithing. You know, we often look at the. Uh, benefits listed in Malachi chapter 3 where it says when we bring all the tithe into the storehouse that God opens the windows of heaven for us he pours out blessing he pours it out in a in such an abundant measure there's not room to receive it all amen causing us to be a blessing because we're overflowing with the blessing he rebukes the devourer for our sake that's a benefit we need the devourer rebuked, right? So that when we plant our seed, the seed eater's not there eating up our seed. So he rebukes the devourer. He gives us supernatural uh, protection over the seed that we're sowing because he said that the seed won't even cast its fruit in the field before its time. And so he'll multiply our seed sown. All of these are benefits of the tithe this here in Deuteronomy 14 provides a another aspect of a benefit that is vitally important to our lives Deuteronomy 14 let's look at 22 you shall truly tithe all the increase of your seed that the field brings forth year by year and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he shall choose to place his name there the tithe of your corn, of your wine, of your oil, of the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. He says that we learn something in tithing that is a benefit for our life. There, in the tithing, in the continual action of not just trying to tithe, not just being an occasional tither, but owning it and saying, I am a tither, it's what I do. I, I, I tithe in, off of everything in my life. Why? Because God is first in my life. We learn something in the tithe, the fear of the Lord. The Living Bible says to put God first, that we learn to put God first. The Message Bible says we learn to live in deep reverence before God that's what we're supposed to be practicing as we tithe each week 
As we tithe, we're practicing reverence. We're practicing putting God first. We're not just, not, yes, we are saying it to him, but we're also letting our lives know, ourselves know, God is first in my life. I'm not first. My electric bill's not first. My needs are not first. God is first. And in this, in this fear of the Lord, we have something that, will, that can't be replaced. It's, you know, have you ever seen that commercial that goes through a list of things and it says, you know, to have, you know, this, this uh, it's a credit card commercial of some kind. And it, it says, you know, it puts a price tag on the trip. It took, puts a price tag on the, the, the meals they ate on the trip. It puts a price tag on the, the rooms that they stayed. But then it says, you know, time with your family, priceless. Well, you know, there, when you come to the fear of the Lord, you can't put a price tag on it. It's priceless. There, it, it provides in our lives something that money can't buy, that cannot be accessed any other way. Let's look at some of the benefits of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 3 and verse 7. Proverbs 3, 7. So when I'm tithing, I'm learning the fear of the Lord. So how is the fear of the Lord a benefit to me? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. There's a contrast. What's the opposite of fearing the Lord? Being wise in your own eyes. So don't be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So when you fear the Lord... By default, if you are, are in a flow of respecting and reverencing and honor God, what's going to happen? By default, you will depart. You will get away from evil. Why? Because God is first. God is first. I don't want to watch that. God is first. I don't want to hear that. God is first. I don't want to be a part of that. So by default, that fear of the Lord provides that wisdom to depart the evil. It says, it shall be health to your navel and morrow to your bones. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord will be health to your navel and morrow to your bones. Honor the Lord. Is that, is that saying the same thing as fear the Lord? Deep reverence. We saw deep reverence in one of the things. Putting God first. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. And what's going to happen? So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. When you honor him, he honors you in return. He said, those who honor me, I will honor. Amen. So this is, this is beneficial to make the fear of the Lord a priority. It directs us away from evil and it positions us so that his blessing can operate in our lives. Let's go to Proverbs 14 and look at verse 16 as well. Proverbs 14 and verse 16. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil. So we could, in, in connection with the other verse that we read, we could say a wise man fears the Lord. A wise man. So this is a picture of wisdom. The person who doesn't fear the Lord is referred. It's foolish not to honor him. It's foolish not to live in deep reverence to him. So it says a wise man 
fears, and we could add without hurting the scripture, the Lord, and departs from evil, but the fool rages and is confident. Why? Because they're being wise in their own eyes. They're finding their wisdom in their own eyes, and it's not going to go well for them. Verse 26 of this same chapter, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. So because I'm tithing, I'm learning to fear the Lord and I have a strong confidence. Confidence that God is for me. Confidence that God's working on my behalf. Confidence that God's making a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Confidence that God's system is working for me. When I give, it shall be given unto me. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. Confidence that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper, but every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, I will prove it to be wrong. I'm confident. Where's that confidence coming from? Not from me being wise in my own eyes, but that confidence is coming from the fear of the Lord. Because I see things correctly when I fear the Lord, when I reverence him, when I put him first, I see correctly. If I'm wise in my own eyes, I'm, I'm not seeing things clearly as they really are in real life. Hallelujah. So he says there is strong confidence and we have a place of refuge. Why? Because we fear the Lord. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. A fountain of life. And not just a sip, not just a cup, not just a, a container. A fountain. A fountain is something that's continually bubbling and flowing and providing a fresh supply. So in the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. So we're talking about this affecting every area of my life, not just my finances. Sometimes people put finances and they're tithing just in one little category and say, well, tithing only affects my money. Tithing affects every part of our life. Our money is a very small part of our life. Money is a very small part of your life. Sometimes it may be very a big need and it may be demanding attention and it may be trying to, to motivate your decisions. But when we begin to fear the Lord, it takes its rightful place. We have to put it, the money and the need back in its place and begin to operate the kingdom system, the plan of God. And when we're operating the system of God, then money is no longer the motivation but the fear of the Lord is the motivation. And the blessing can abundantly flow there because he wants us to have the long life that he speaks of. And then Proverbs 16, we'll look at verse 6 in this one. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So we've seen three different verses here that talk about the fear of the Lord helping me depart from evil. Amen? Why? Because in the fear of the Lord, I'll see what's evil and know, know to leave it. I'll recognize it and know what to step away from, know what to divert myself away from. Amen? So when we say that tithing teaches us the fear of the Lord, we need that lesson. And we need to be skilled in that lesson. It's not something that is just automatic 
to because I got born again. I got born again and boom, suddenly I am skilled in the fear of the Lord. No, we got to walk that out, don't we? We need to let the wisdom of God that comes from the tithing, this lesson that I'm learning to fear the Lord and to put him first, have deep reverence for him. We need the lesson that tithing is producing in our life. And I just want to say this. I've said it before, but I think it's important to say again. I have in my 30 years of walking with the Lord, and I just celebrated 30 years saved this past August. In my 30 years of walking in with the Lord, I have never met a tither, someone who has consistently tithed and lived a life as a tither. I have not met the tither who regrets it. I've yet to meet that person who has really tithed and says, I, I've wasted my money. I wish I'd kept my money. I've, uh, no, I've not met that person. Every person who has been a doer of the word and practiced tithing, those people have a stability in their lives. They have a, a root system of the word in their lives. They have the, the, the honor of God on their family and on their finances that their lives look different. So hear me when I say it's not just about money. The tithe affects every area of our life because it is a doing of the word and it is an honor for God. And when we honor God, our whole life will look like we honor God. Our whole life will look like we honor God. If you're not there yet, don't give up. If you're not there yet, don't get, get under condemnation. It took me a, a, a little while to, from the time that I began to walk with God to, to be a doer of the word, to see those changes begin to evident, be evident in my life. But, but they are. Amen? So praise God. As we prepare to honor the Lord in our giving today, if you need an envelope, they're available in the pocket of their chair in front of you. We have our text to give information. We are uh, rejoicing. The Lord is, has given us a few projects. Uh, one of them is our Word Supply. And the Word Supply provides free CDs as well as what we uh, pay to have our live stream and our uh, different products that are, are made available uh, through the archive on our website as well as uh, some of the... Uh, other ways that we distribute podcasts, for instance. And so this is what we have received, and this is what has been sent out. And thank you for being a word supplier. People's lives are being changed by the hearing of the word. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'll tell you, um, back in the day, we used to have tapes. Y'all remember cassette tapes? And we had given, let me tell you the power of how God can use some, some of our, our products we had given away in a, a certain community. We were doing some outreach in that community. And we had given away CD or cassette tapes of pastor sermons. And so uh, there was someone who had that cassette tape. Well, there was a, a, a family member of one of our church members who had backslidden and had gone back to crack. And he was down in a crack house and used the different products that, that are, are made available for people to download and for people all over the world to hear these messages. You know, we were 
in Texas at a conference and there was a man who walked by and pastor was talking. We were working Pastor Caldwell's table at this conference and pastor was talking to somebody and a man was walking by and stopped. In a, and he was from Arizona and we were in Texas, but he's watching. And so God is supernaturally touching people and helping them because you are a word supplier. Thank you for supplying the word in people's lives. Another project that we have is our Project 2414. And you can see that we have, have in full, paid in full, we have moved into a paid for flow. We've moved into a paid for flow. And I declare, church family, we're going to live in the paid for flow. Just go ahead and say that. I'm going to live in the paid for flow. There's no reason that we have to wait till last minute to try to gather the resources, but we can believe God and our faith will work in advance so that we can live in the paid for flow and enter into 2023 with a paid in full, paid for flow. I, I'm believing for the day. I am releasing my faith so that we can enter the year with the whole year paid for. We're working on that. Working on a building. Working on a building. Working on that. So we are excited about the opportunity to sow the word uh, in both of these ways, to get the word of God out. Another thing that we uh, are focused on on Sunday mornings is the preparation because where we are is not where we will be. God has a land for us with buildings that are more than enough buildings, with parking lots that are more than enough parking lots, with, with bathrooms that are more than enough bathrooms and children's facilities and youth facilities that are more than enough facilities. And he wants us to be as excited about it as he is. Amen? That we are expecting and we are looking and we are anticipating the land that he has for us. And so he has given us some scriptures. I want to read those scriptures. And as we prepare to give, we will release our faith for this uh, preparation. Zechariah chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Run and speak to Pastor Philip and Michelle Steele, saying, Faith builders shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitudes of people and supply therein. For I say it, the Lord will be unto faith builders a wall of fire round about, and I will be the glory in the midst of faith builders. First Chronicles 17, 9. I will ordain a place for my people, faith builders, and I will plant them, and they will dwell in their place and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them any more as at the beginning. Ezekiel 36, 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries, and I will bring you into your own land. Did you see that? Your own land. Ezekiel 37, 14. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Psalm 44, 3. They got not their land in possession by their own sword, neither did their arm, their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance, because you had a favor unto faith builders. We thank you for it, Lord. 
as we prepare to honor you in our tithe, in our offering, in preparing for the land that you have for us, Lord, we bring anticipation and great, great expectation of what you have in store for us. And we celebrate in advance, Lord. We believe God. And we don't have to see it to believe it. You have spoken it to us. You have witnessed it to our heart. We are led by the inner, inward witness. And we celebrate what you have in store for us in advance. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. As we prepare to give, we'll receive uh, the tithe, the offering, and the Ezra project at the same time. Stand with me to your feet with a shout. Ushers, if you'll come. Hallelujah. Come rejoicing, family. Praise God, praise God, praise God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. It's so good to see Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. for all your prayers and good wishes and phone calls and strengthening. Here I am. The battle's not over yet. I'm still fighting, but I stand in victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're so glad to have you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Father. We lift to you the offerings, the honor of your people. Lord, as we practice the fear of the Lord, as we learn this valuable, this valuable truth in our life to put you first, Lord, I thank you that you cause the lives of every one of your people to experience an overflow of your goodness, a, an, a bountiful supply and blessing for every area of our life. Let your light shine upon our paths and your wisdom lead us in every decision. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 5 is where I want to begin. As you're turning there, I want to remind you of something that the Lord uh, specifically uh, spoke to me a few weeks ago. October the 9th to be exact, the Lord said to me, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the spirit. We're entering a season that will require the walk of faith. That's nothing to be afraid about. It's what is faith? Victory. Faith is the victory. So we are entering this season that will require the walk of faith. Another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. He gave us five specific areas. Number one, know the leading of the Lord with a certainty. We don't want to have to take three days to determine, was that God speaking to me? We want to practice hearing and acting on what he said. We want to know this is God. So know the leading with a certainty. That doesn't happen overnight. It takes uh, being aware of his, his voice and then responding to his voice and knowing peace. And we've talked a little bit about that one. Number two, he said, practice obedience. 
practice obedience. Now, of course, that means don't be disobedient. Yeah, <laughs> but it also means don't delay. Don't put off and say, well, the Lord's been dealing with me for two years that I should have done that. Practice obedience and begin to look at the word and say, how can I be a doer of that? How can I be quick to obey that instruction? When you see it in the word, put it into effect in your life. Number three, develop humility and the love walk. Those need to be developed. Humility and the love walk. And they're connected. Praise God. Then he said, the fruit of the spirit is vital. Number four, the fruit of the spirit is vital. Often we put a lot of emphasis on the power and the gifts, all three of them, trusting in God, trusting in his ways, and trusting in his word. Those are safeguards, safeguards. They're like the bumpers to your life. If you've ever tried to, uh, uh, there was a, a, a car ride that they had at a, um, it, well, it was kind of like bumper cars, but it was called the Tin Lizzie at, at Opryland. Y'all don't know Nashville unless you go all the way back to the Opryland theme park. I, Opryland was the theme park outside of the Grand Ole Opry, and so they had one of those where the kids, I remember driving just as a little tiny kid, and I would get to steer, but it was on a track, and so it couldn't get off the track, right? So trusting God keeps you on track. It's a safeguard for your life, and we need those things. And so uh, today I want to talk about people still have in a mysterious box, and they think, ooh, walking in the Spirit, ooh, ooh, walking in the Spirit, and they, they have this image of walking in the Spirit that, that love serve one another. So he, he gives this first indication of the flesh. Don't, don't use the liberty that you have in Christ as an occasion for your flesh. And then the opposite of that is by love, serve one another. So this, verse 14. He's talking about those commandments. Don't sin. I'm going to break any of those from violating any of walking in the spirit. You don't have spirit and walking into to memorize. I'm governed by love and love God. Behavior that fruit of the spirit, love my behavior on another, one another. That would be a threat. Give occasion to our and and for one another. This instruction lust of the flesh is not. He says, what my flesh wants to do, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are born again, and you're no longer allowed like what is right. going to kill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, I'm going to give you a definition of this word lusteth. You hitting the snooze button saying up at the, up at the ceiling, sweet spot in the bed. It's the flesh. A wrong, we don't want to, to allow that. We want it on the other desire to be, be right. So I love that Getty would. And, and then it was a teacher. I feel like your flesh given in to he says flesh. And so he is against the press that when he had people put in prison, there were some 
that some people, when he would have them put in prison, he would strap a dead man, face his own body, this body of death, during that time that the Bible was body. And when he was saying, who shall deliver me from this carnal? He said, in me. He, it doesn't mean we're supposed to live in that constant Romans chapter 7 cycle because then you'd have to just choose. But always sin, you're supposed to spirit and carry one activity according to the word. The another verse that it, it, in the Bible that refers to lascivious. And, and I had to go study to even help myself understand what is it saying? What is lasciviousness? And lasciviousness means no restraint. No restraint. No restraint to the mind. No restraint to the mouth. No restraint in all. And I'm no holds barred. Nothing holding me back. I'm no restraint. It's, it's good. It's Harrison and put those first 20. Living with the flow of peace. Living. I'm not going to. These are God's characteristics. These are God's nature. Out of the forces available to me as a born-again child. Alive unto God, then you've got to walk. So is it possible to be living in the Spirit and not walk in the Spirit? And the Spirit says, highly gain in the things to our We can thoughts that lead not in ways, but something that make He can. James chapter 1. and entice forth death so we see a process this is the process and it begins with the flesh so that sin when it is finished brings forth death we don't want that we don't want this process to get that far so how can we stop it how can we live a sin-free life avoiding this path. We talked about it a little bit earlier this morning about the fear of the Lord. But it says, when he is drawn away. I want you to recognize that because that is an indicator for you to help you identify when that drawing away, I need to recognize and resist it. If that drawing away, if I sense that drawing away, that, that drawing of an enticement, that drawing of a temptation, and I'm just going to go back to use uh, the temptation of being angry because it's come up a couple of times this morning, so we're helping somebody. It, when that temptation to be angry comes, when I'm drawn away, and you know, it happens with thoughts. It happens with, with uh, it comes with an emotion. When the enemy is tempting us to do something, he makes it so real. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll feel the, the flash of heat in your face. You'll feel the, the rising up like you, like Brother Jesse Duplantis says, it was like his Tabasco sauce coming up through his, uh, rising up through his, his legs, right? It, that, it's a physical feeling that comes with it. And, and if you have practiced that anger, it's, it's quick. It doesn't take long for it to start at your toes and come all the way up until, boom, you are exploding in that anger. Hallelujah. But if I can recognize the drawing away and resist it at the drawing away, 
then I don't have to end up at the place where it has caused me to sin and I've got to go repent for that sin. Right? I can, I can deal with it at the drawing away. I can begin to recognize that's trying to get me over here to, to, to work in me that response that it's always worked in me. Now, many of you, I've told you my testimony about um, my life before Christ and the uh, man that I was married to uh, in, during my life of addiction and crime, uh, he would physically abuse me. And so if we disagreed about anything, I'd, I've had my jaw broken, I've had black eyes, I've had uh, busted eardrums, busted lips. Uh, he tried to shoot me one time, blew a, ho blew a hole in the ceiling uh, and beat me up and threw me out in the, in the snow. And so it was a very, it was a very, it was a process that when we disagreed that I was stuck in that process. And so then after we, after, after Pastor Steele and I were married, after God saved me, we were married. I still had some of the same, the same triggers and the same processes. And so there would be arguments that we would have, and I just fell back into the same pattern of arguing that I had been in in my life before Christ. And that, that pattern, part of that pattern was that I would, I would allow the thoughts I remember before Christ that when there would be arguments and then even after the fight that I would go for days and we wouldn't talk. And I wouldn't even talk to his family. One day his, his mother said to me, and this before Christ, with the bad relationship, his mother said, we didn't beat you up. We didn't do anything wrong. Why aren't you talking to us? Because I was just self-preserving and I was putting everybody out. I was building a, a wall to try to protect myself from anybody hurting me. And so I included them in that wall. Well, that pattern became a way that when I got born again, I didn't know that that pattern, that's all I knew. That's the only way I knew to deal with this relationship. And so when we would argue, of course, pastor didn't beat me. I did kick him in the face, but he forgave me. And I, I learned not to, I learned he wasn't going to hit me. I kicked him because I thought he was going to hit me. And um, he wasn't. He just looked at me like that was the craziest thing he'd ever had happen to him in his life. And just turned around and walked out of the room. And I'm like, what? I thought you was going to hit me. I was ready for a fight. I was going to get the first lick in, you know. Oh, the Lord is so gracious, isn't he? But I still had that mindset of holding those, those thoughts and building this thought refuge. And so when we would disagree, he would go to work. Pastor Steele would go to work. He was working at Blue Cross Blue Shield in the insurance company there in Kansas City. He would go to the office and I would be alone with my thoughts all day and I would fume. Y'all know what it means to fume? I mean, I would go through the house all day long. I would be folding those clothes and you just, just I'm going to tell him. And when he comes home, I should have said, this is what I should have said. 
and, and I would just sit and rehearse the argument all day long, banging the pots and pans, folding the clothes angrily. I would just sit there and I would think about how I could have answered and gotten a better response, you know, how I could have said and should have said, and, and I was just rehearsing all day long that and <coughs> thinking about the argument, feeding on it. He would walk in the door after having been all day long working, you know, not thinking about what I was thinking about, not rehearsing. The he forgot about the argument. He had just let it go. And he walks in, and I pick up where I left off. But I've been feeding on it and fueling it all day long. And it became a pattern. It became a pattern so that it was, it was like the enemy was doing things, like drawing me away, that temptation drawing me to automatically set myself at odds against him. And I will never forget the day that I was fuming. I was sitting there rehearsing my argument. And the Lord said, you are thinking covenant-breaking thoughts against the only person you're in covenant with on this planet. You are thinking covenant-breaking thoughts against him. And then I wanted to tell the Lord why. I was thinking these covenant-breaking thoughts, but Lord, did you hear what he said to me? And do you remember what he did this morning? And can you look that look he gave me? And how dare he not agree with me in front of the kids, you know, and, and, and override my decision and whatever it was, just nothing. I mean, it was non-essential things that I was fuming about. I mean, so I'm trying to tell the Lord, and the Lord brought me back to covenant. You're breaking covenant. You're a covenant-breaker in your thoughts. And because you're, you're breaking covenant in your thoughts, it's affecting your finances, it's affecting your home, you're, you're opening the door. What does the Bible say happens if there's strife? When there's strife, James says, where there's strife, there's confusion and every evil work. So I was propping the door open for the enemy to come in and steal from us in ways that he would never have gained an entrance if I wasn't sitting around striving in my in my mind striving in my heart against the person i'm in covenant with and when god dealt with me that way i had to begin to repent and change that pattern and so whenever and you know what it still came to me the same way those same opportunities were there those same temptations or that drawing away to start criticizing him or thinking, how did he do that? And put myself at odds against him. The, the, the temptation, the drawing away was there. I just had to resist it. I began to say, no, I'm in covenant with him. He's my husband. I submit to the covenant that I have with God. We are married in the sight of God. It is a, a holy covenant. I, wanna, I started treating my marriage as holy. Because if my marriage is holy, I'm not going to think those thoughts against him. I'm going to cast those thoughts down and I'm going to take thoughts that are, I'm going to take my thoughts through that Philippians chapter 4 list and say whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report and start thinking about what he did right instead of meditating on what he was doing wrong in my estimation at that point. I heard um, 
Andrew Womack talk about a woman who came to him and uh, actually a husband came and he said, I'm, I'm going to divorce my wife because and he began to list all these things that were wrong with his wife and why he did not want her and how she wasn't fit for the, she couldn't play the piano and she couldn't preach and she wasn't going to help him in ministry and go, go, just going through all of these different things that he needed to replace her, you know, and divorce her and, and get somebody else. And um, Andrew said, well, let me ask you this. I, wanna, I want you to take the next 30 days and every day for 30 days, begin to pick one thing a day that you are, that she does well, that you're thankful for, and focus on that. And so he, he, he began to do that. And he began to say, she is a really good mom to our children. And he would meditate on that. She is a really good mom. He, he would say, she always takes such good care of our home. You know, she's faithful to, to, to cook and to clean. He, he was emphasizing things he didn't think she did first. And now when he began to shift that over and began to look at what she did well and what she was good at and the things that she had done faithfully in his life. She's never, she's never cheated on me. She's always been faithful to me. Just began to meditate on those things. He came back to him and said, you know what? I've changed my mind. I really love her. I really love her. Yeah, he probably loved her all along, but the, that enticing away, that drawing away, that enemy tempting him to look at what he looked at. You know, what if everybody did that about their local church? You know, I see a lot of people leave the local church because the enemy gets them to focus on one thing they don't like. They focus on something that, that they don't do well. Something that, that maybe they're, they're not capable of doing. You know, some people might come and say, well, you know, they, they don't have as big of a children's ministry as we'd like to have or a big of a youth ministry. Or they don't have, sometimes I don't find a parking spot out front and I got to go out back or whatever the case may be. Begin to focus on what is good. Begin to give the, the attention to the right things. And what's going to happen is your flesh isn't going to be guiding the thoughts, but your born-again spirit is guiding the thoughts. And that pattern has to be broken. So notice and begin to recognize that tempting comes as a drawing away of a desire. Look at that desire. When you have a craving to criticize somebody, identify that's not coming from my born-again spirit. My born-again spirit does not want to criticize my brother in Christ. My born-again spirit does not, it does not have an, a desire to be jealous because God blessed them with a new car. What part of that? It would be the flesh that would have a desire to be jealous. So put it down and go make yourself dance around the car with that person. Say, praise God for look what the Lord has done. I'm next in line. Look what the Lord has done. I rejoice with you. Amen. And what's that doing? You're being a doer of the word. Rejoicing with those who do rejoice. You're, you're acting on the word instead of acting on a craving or an impulse of the flesh. And you're strengthening hefty, hefty, hefty. Strengthening your spirit to be strong. Amen. And your flesh to be weakened. We're going to stop at Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. My first close. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Now remember, this is, this is after Romans chapter 7. We talked about Romans chapter 7. That difficult life of a person who is allowing their flesh versus that person who is delighting in the law of God after the inward man. So here in chapter 8, he says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. The, the um, New Living Translation says, They have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. They have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. That's what was happening to me. That pattern, I was, I was always looking at him with criticism. I was always looking at, at him and saying, he shouldn't have done that. He didn't treat me right. He, didn't, he shouldn't have acted that way. I was looking. That was a pattern. And I had to break that pattern and turn it around and begin to rejoice in, in the husband I have and rejoice that God has given me a man who loves God with all of his heart. That God has given me a man who is faithful to provide for our family. That God, I started having to rehearse the right things. It says, they that are after the flesh do mind or have the mindset or have the outlook or have the perception of the things of the flesh. And you could also interpret that this way. If you look at a child and say, you better mind me. You better mind me. What are you saying? You better, you better do what I'm telling you, right? Those who are after the flesh are going to do what the flesh tells them to do. But those that are after the Spirit are going to do the things that the Spirit compels or impulses or urges them to do. Your Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, will compel you. We want that compelling to win every time. We want to yield to that compelling. We want to recognize what, what, is, the Holy, what is my Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, compelling me or urging me. Or directing me to do. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you notice we have two? Not three, not four, two. Carnally minded or spiritually minded. It didn't say saved and unsaved. Because again, this is to the brethren. To be carnally minded versus being spiritually minded. Well, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that we've got to be renewed, transformed in the mind. Our mind has to be renewed. It does not have God thoughts by default because you got saved. Let's say, for instance, that someone who was... We'll use pornography, for instance. Someone who was heavy in pornography, they go and they give their life to the Lord. And then they go home and they've got all this wrong stuff on their computer. Well, they say, what happened? I gave my life to the Lord today. Why is this wrong stuff on my computer? Because it's not going to delete it till you delete it. 
someone who maybe has been involved in crime and they've got all these files, they've got all these things downloaded on their computer from their life before, and now they're born again, for them to have the computer cleared off, they've got to go clear it off. Mary, can I tell on you this morning? Okay. What a perfect... Mary said this morning, she was talking about that song we've been practicing, He Made the Difference. She said that when she got saved, she said before she got saved, she, in order for their post office box, she had to choose the password and she chose a cuss word, a bad word as her. He made the difference though, right? So every time she would go in to check her mail, she's putting in this cuss word. And has to think about it every time she puts it in. Well, then she gets born again. And she walks into her post office box and she's like, getting ready. And what, what, what are you doing? You got to think about the code. And she's like, oh, I can't use that code anymore. I'm going to have to change my password because it's a cuss word. She had to purposefully go in to change it. Am I right? To change the password. Why? Because... That password doesn't fit my life anymore. The thoughts have to be purposefully changed. Those, those thought patterns have to be deleted and new ones downloaded in their place. And so when you have thoughts that the enemy has used in the past as triggers to lead you to wrong behavior whether it be anger or people who have fought alcoholism or addiction, there were thoughts that led them to the behavior. So now I've got to recognize I'm born again. I am a new creature, but my thoughts are still operating in the old creature thought life. So I've got to delete those thoughts and download new thoughts. That's what it means by renewing your mind. Renewing your mind is the deleting of the old and the downloading of the God way of thinking so that your thoughts agree with his thoughts. When, when we leave the wrong thought patterns, it's easy for the enemy to draw away. It's easy for the enemy to, to lead that person to that decision or to that assumption because it's the thoughts that lead them lead them there so if i've got old wrong thinking in my thoughts then it's going to continually take me to the behavior i don't want so what do i need i need to be spiritually minded i need to be spiritually minded it's not automatic i've got to choose to make my mind agree with what's in my heart you know, as you begin to receive revelation, whether it be from the written word being revealed to you, then you take the revelation and you bring it to the mind and you govern the way your mind thinks. When I first got saved, I, had, I looked at tithing and I looked at my new life and I'm thinking, I am a single mother trying to get custody of my children back. I'm working a lunch shift at a restaurant, kind of like a TGI Fridays or an Applebee's lunch shift. 
right? Because I didn't want to serve liquor at night. So I worked the lunch shift. And I'm trying to do all of these things, get all of these things ready to get my children back. And I'm thinking, how can I afford to tithe? See the wrong thought? How can I afford to tithe? I don't have money to tithe. That was a a wrong thought pattern. I had to delete that thought and say, wait a minute, this tithe is the Lord's. It's not mine. I'm not going to rob God. Why would I keep something from the very one who saved me and set me free? Why would I, why would I tell him it's not going to work for me? I had, to, I had to change the thought. Listen, because I needed more than I could make. That 10% wasn't going to get my driver's license fixed. That 10% that I, that I was struggling with wasn't going to be able to get me in an apartment in time for me to get my children back by passing that. Uh, home study that it wasn't going to be enough so what did I I needed something more than what I could do even with the whole uh, keeping the 10 percent I had to realize I trust God I believe God I'm going to honor God and I'm going to trust him and when I had the right thought process that mind being in agreement with God it enabled the blessing of God to be able to flow into that situation. To be carnally minded is death. If I would have maintained that carnal thinking where my marriage was concerned, it would have destroyed my marriage. If I would have maintained the wrong thinking where my finances were concerned, I would have been limited all of these years. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And that's what we want. We want to renew our mind. That's part of walking in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit is living out of the life of God in me. The love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering. Not yielding to the impulses or the cravings of my flesh. And renewing the mind. And we'll stop there. Because I, I, I feel like y'all just reached full level. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want to pray for you right now. Say this with me. Father, I desire a greater skill in walking in the Spirit. Help me identify the areas where my flesh tries to lead me away. Help me discipline myself in spiritual things so that my spirit gains strength and my flesh is weak. I thank you, Lord, that you lead me and I follow your leading in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to take this opportunity to pray for you. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over your people. Let this application of the blood bring liberty to every heaviness, every 
weariness in mind, every struggle in the mental arena be broken in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding to become the prominent flow in the lives of your people. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, that is the initial step to entering into this life of peace. He's the one who breaks the power of sin by washing us in His blood, making us alive unto God and making us new creatures in Christ. If that's you and you would say today, Pastor Michelle, I need to know Jesus as my Lord. Would you lift your hand right where you are? We want to pray with you today and make sure that you are secure in your relationship with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for how you lead us. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I encourage you, take these things that the Lord has spoken to us about the greater skill in walking in the Spirit. Begin to study along these lines. Feed on the sermons. Pastor and I are both preaching along these lines because it is something that as your pastors, we want to do all in our power to help you achieve this skill in walking in the Spirit. But I can't do it for you. Pastor can't do it for you. We can provide tools. We can provide the, the essential elements, the building materials. But you've got to take these building materials in these services and go home and start putting them into place in your life. Amen? We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will continue. We have and we will see the goodness of the Lord. Stand with me to your feet today. Again, tonight, Pastor Caldwell, Sister Jeannie will be here ministering to us. We are, are so excited every time we have the privilege of being in, in their services and being able to hear what the Lord is speaking to our pastor. So join us tonight at 6 o'clock, and we look forward to great things. Um, just a note for upcoming so that you can plan and know ahead. On Christmas Day, we are going to be having one service on Christmas Day uh, so that uh, we can have time with our families and uh, such. So just prepare for that. We've got some special things with our children's ministry and uh, special communion service on that day. So just so that you can be uh, preparing in advance. Are you ready? Say with me, the vision of this church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. 
As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.